Hello and welcome to South Africa on 99.94 Cricket Every Day. I'm Neil Manthorpe, my co-host, as you would all know by now, is Langani Zama. Uh, South Africa on 99.94 is your uh, South, your home for South African content, um, and uh, hope uh, you'll be able to follow us uh, at least uh, twice a week as we drop into uh, your podcast feed, YouTube or 99.94, uh, the app, several times uh, every week, as I said. Also, if you get the chance uh, to check out the Mitch Johnson show uh, where the former Aussie talks about his life in and out of cricket, you can find it where you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation. In our last uh, episode, uh, Lankani and I spoke about, uh, tried to analyse, make sense of South Africa's dreadful um defeat to the Netherlands, which uh, saw them bow out of the T20 World Cup. We're just going to sort of wrap that up and then look ahead to to the semi-finals. Um, there, there are a number of, uh, of things for South Africans to consider. It's a long flight back from Australia to South Africa. Um, one man who has been under some of the most intense sporting pressure that I have ever witnessed, albeit secondhand, is the South African white ball captain Temba Bavuma. He was asked the hard questions. I am, I am actually delighted to say that, um, you know, stretching right back to Hansi Cronier in 1999 and and Sean Pollock and Graham Smith twice and, and A.B. de Villiers in 2015, I've seen enough captain's tears. Uh, so I'm delighted to say that, uh, you know, that there was a, a media officer with a sense of mercy not that Bavuma required it. He he manned up. He showed up. He answered the hard questions. He didn't try to hide his tears. And he said, amongst many truths that he spoke after South Africa's um, exit, that he believed he had done his best. He had um, emerged. He had acted with dignity and emerged with his pride intact. Um, he spoke about the, the pressure of social media. Um, yeah, you can try to hide from it, but you can't. You know, it's easier to avoid COVID-19 at its height than it is to avoid um, social media. Um, there was some truly appalling trolling of him. Um, and, you know, uh, as followers on this podcast and anybody else who reads anything that I write or listens to anything I say will know that I'm a massive fan of the man. Um, personally, I think he should be the test captain when Dean Elgar steps down. I think that is actually his format. Um, so let's begin with Temba. Yeah, it's been a, a couple of months of probably the harshest pressure that he's faced. Um, and, and, and obviously there was pressure even before he, he hit a ball in Australia because of the combination of form of others around him who were playing more freely and scoring a lot more. Um, and this constant question of, of an opener who strikes at 120 um, and how much that compromises the team. I saw something from Tom Moody, which compared him to Aaron Finch and um, just said, he said something about when one wheel is spinning, not at the same rate as the others. It compromises the rest of the vehicle, basically. And Tim will be the first to say that he, he he didn't score as freely as he would have wished for. Um, obviously, the exit is not purely down to one man. But as, as captain, you do bear the brunt of the criticism and the questions. And that's why you've got to front up. 
Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, you cry because you care. Um, you know, it's not something that's like water for ducks back and you carry on the next day as if everything's normal. You cry because you care about performance and, and, and obviously representing so much more than yourself. Um, but the questions will not go away. You know, the, the, the questions around, I've always, I've been in the same boat. I always thought he should have been test captain. And when he was made white ball captain, I, I asked anyone I could who'd been part of the decision, why would you go that way and immediately hamstring yourself when of all the formats, you know that his strongest format is red ball cricket because of the type of game that he plays. Um, it was never a firm answer. It was in fact, even stubborn in terms of this is what we need. Like it's, it's not though, because it, 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 it pits, it pits somebody whose skill set is better suited to the longer format immediately against the trolls that you speak of and, 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 and everything else. Um, I could almost understand the, 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 the 50 over cricket, but in T20 cricket, with, with, where it's so dynamic and so ruthless in the first six overs to, to put someone in a position to, to be captain, you, you were asking for trouble. You were asking for this, you know, so that, Cricket South Africa created this recipe a while ago, and it was just a case of when it actually bubbled over. And the fact that it's bubbled over at a World Cup um, in the manner that it has, no one will handle this hot potato now. They'll they'll hope that Timber does what they'll call the honourable thing and resign. But the reality is, they put him in this position. There were three formats to choose from to make him captain. If you really wanted a black captain, as desperately as they did after after everything that happened, but play him to strengths, you know, like. Play the man to his strengths. Every other captain, you've given them every possible advantage to thrive. You play him in the one format of the game that he's actually not strongest, and, and that's the one that with all the World Cups, that's the one with all the pressure. It, it's just, poor. It, as a box-ticking exercise, it's been an absolute, absolute travesty. And the problem is he has to face up as if he selected himself. And we said earlier that, you know, if it became if it became a, such a big problem that he had to drop himself, essentially he'd spoken about the fact that he might, but the reality is who drops himself from a world cup team when everything in your body says, I feel like I'm contributing to team. Your teammates are still backing you. You are just not suited to it. You know, it's, it's like picking a fly half at prop <laughs> and, and hoping that he's somehow going to figure it out because like, it's such a stuff up and it was a stuff up from the beginning. So the people who made that decision, set the wheels in motion to where we are now. And now the decision is, is on timber, which is cheapest. You don't pick yourself. And, and no one would take, would, would take the honor of captaining the country and just turn away from it and say, oh, I'm completely ill-suited. I'll, you say, I'll figure it out. Even if I'm under-experienced or under-skilled or ill-fitting, I'll try and figure it out because cheapest. The opportunity is, is too grand. I'll be, I'll be the first captain to turn down... South African captaincy, then what does it look like? It's an impossible position. But they've put him in this place. So I, I do feel for the guy. I asked you, and we discussed about the possibility of him leaving himself out even before the tournament started and then after the first couple of games. Um, it was a rhetorical question in many ways because I didn't think that he should do that and I didn't think that it was his position to do that. I think that uh, it was the selector's position to do that. Uh, and, and you've mentioned CSA and... Uh, 
and the people who appointed him. It was Graham Smith. Graham Smith was director of cricket. And I just want to rewind a little bit to early this morning. I was doing, I've been actually working very hard um, explaining to various media outlets or doing my best um, about South Africa's demise. And a radio station in New Zealand said, why do you think, uh, uh, no, it wasn't in New Zealand, a radio station in Australia said, why do you think New Zealand um, who, you know, cricket's like the eighth most popular sport in the country. Seriously, more people prefer sailing and rock climbing as their um, favoured pastimes or sports than cricket. Uh, and we did a, a pod a couple of weeks ago about Namibia uh, having um, a pool of about 120 cricketers to choose from, actually smaller for the national team. Um, I mean, New Zealand have... You know, got, they've got less than a thousand people, and they perennially make semi-finals. So I was asked the question: Why? Why do they make the semi-finals virtually every single uh, tournament, and South Africa can't? And I wasn't expecting the question, but the answer came immediately: Honesty, honesty. You have a small group of players. They know exactly where they've come from, where they're going, what support they've got. If they ask for something, they don't just get a yes or no from the boss. They get invited into the boss's office and say, oh, it's a great request. Um, we, we can't do it because of this. Um, have a look at the numbers. They know absolutely every single working mechanism of New Zealand cricket. And that's just simply not the case in South Africa. I mean, Graham Smith made the appointment. He Nobody's questioned him. Nobody said, Graham, why did you make Tem- why did you put Temba in this position? Um, and he hasn't come out and said, because the pressure is on, I felt the pressure to appoint a black captain. No, I, I have asked. I, I have asked him in private several times, and there was massive, massive pressure to install a black captain somewhere. But if the, the tournament that he's commissioner of right now didn't have a single franchise that bid for Temba Bavuma for the exact same reasons, because it's not his format. So if you ask him again now, without the pressures of being CSA's director of cricket and everything that that came with in his time, he'd tell you he's not suited. But at the time, there was undue pressure from not just CSA board and executive, from politicians, from the man in the street that rugby has a black captain, cricket has to have a black captain. But how on earth they made the decision to give him the formats that he's not suited to. It, it literally came across as a box ticking exercise. And you can say all you want that you, you he's going to grow into it. It's just not, his numbers have not changed because that's not his game. And we've spoken about the fact that he's now trying to reinvent himself. Even his dismissal against the Netherlands, you could see you're trying things that are not part of your normal skill set. You're trying to reinvent the wheel. And you said about New Zealand, the reason that they punch above their weight is because they've got a ruthless honesty. We've got a limited number of people, bits and pieces, cricketers like Colin de Grandhome and whoever else. And when they don't have it, they go shopping and they get rejects like Devin Conway. (laughs) And they build them up to be everything because you're better than anything we've got. So we're going to call you a world champion. We're going to give you all the tools to make sure that you succeed. And yet here, where we have options across formats, you go and and choose the one square peg and say, okay, we'll see if you can stick you into this round hole and 
close our eyes and just hope for goodness that you somehow are going to ever see a Colisi moment and lift a World Cup yourself and we can say, look at us, we're wonderfully transformed. It's, it's a horror show because you could see it coming. You could see it coming. And in his heart of hearts, he'll tell you that if you gave me the choice, I would have probably taken test captaincy because that's the game that I've been most natural at. That's the most game I've been most comfortable at. That's the game where I've got the time to play the way that I've played my entire life. So, I mean... <laughs> But this is what happens when politicians make sporting decisions of sports that they've never played. And this is what it was. Graham Smith appointed him, but I can tell you now it wasn't Graham Smith's decision. We can, we can call a spade a spade here. It, it wasn't Graham Smith's decision to say our T20 captain is going to be Temba Bavuma because he's the best captain. that we No, no, because straight away you, you're saying that our opening stands in, in, in power plays, one of our guys is going to be striking at about 110, 120 unless he really comes off for the next five years, which is impossible. And the proof of that pudding is in the SA20 auction that happened before the World Cup where not a single franchise in South Africa's premier new competition that's supposed to transform the way that we play cricket, change lives, not a single one of those franchises picked the South African T20 captain. That in itself says a hell of a lot more than any of the buttery statements that were made at the time that he was hired as T20, as white ball captain. They try to plug a hole and it's come back to haunt them. And the irony is that half the people who were in that room making that decision and putting that pressure on Graham Smith and whoever else was around him to make sure that Timber is the white ball cricket captain, they're no longer there. They've moved on with their lives. They probably didn't even watch any of the games that he was captain of in this T20 World Cup. But that's what happens when you appoint people who don't really give a stuff about the game, but they want to show their muscle and flex their muscle and say, we can influence decisions. This is what it gets to. And the one who suffers the most is a poor cricketer like Temba, who's got all the dreams to, to play for his country, to do what he can for his country. It's just sad. You know, Zam, so we could bottle a fraction of the energy that you've got tonight and, and, and rewind and, and give it to the team before they walked onto the field against the Netherlands. That would have been a very different result. We'll be back with more in just a moment. You're listening to Cricket's Conversation on 99.94. Whatever your team, we have the show for you on podcast, YouTube or on the 99.94 app. We have India, England, South Africa, West Indies and now Sri Lanka covered. If you want to find us, the best way is to follow us on social media at 9994DM by downloading the 9994 app or Google 99.94 on podcast. We speak cricket. Right, we're back. Um, we're going to talk about the World Cup semi-finals for what it's worth. If anybody's interested in what Samson, I think about uh, about what's going to happen in the, in the semi-finals. But just in the middle section, going to talk um, a little bit, uh, Zams, if I may, about uh, South Africa's reaction to um, the defeat. Uh, so Cricket South Africa released a statement um, in which. Enoch Nkwe, the director of cricket, and Poletsi Moseki, the chief executive, were both quoted as saying, and I say that because they don't speak like this at all. And I, it's my turn to be angry now. And I am, I am so angry uh, about the administration. You know what? On social media, a lot of people said, oh, well, what do you expect from the team after, you know, so many years, five years of total maladministration? So Enoch Nkwe, who, who is a man 
I enjoy immensely and respect, is quoted as saying, the reality is that the team did not perform to expectations which occasioned this disappointing outcome. It is our duty to regroup and rebuild based on our glaring shortcomings. Poletsi Moseki is quoted as saying, you'll enjoy this one, any, any fan of corporate jargonese, you'll enjoy this one. Our focus should be rebuilding the team for future success. Lessons learned from this experience will be inculcated into strategies to redeem from the weaknesses and build a formidable attack in the future. So I wonder what any of the players might think about that. Whose side are they on? I'm furious. Take over before I swear. You wonder if the person who put together that press release actually watched the game before they generated those quotes. But, that, you know, I want to move on from this game and then this tournament from a South African perspective. But somewhere on the plane back to South Africa is going to be Risa Hendricks, who's going to sit, much like Aaron Pangis was sat on the way to Australia and came back again with all these dreams of going to a tournament in the form of your life. And he's come back, not hit a single ball in anger, in the form of his, he, he won a, a white ball final for the Lions single-handed at the end of last season. He's then gone on to Ireland and dominated, scored something like five fifties in a row. You, you, it's not even purple the patch that he was in. He, he was absolutely primed to to take apart any attack, and he's gone to a World Cup and watched and sat in the change room and listened to plans and strategies and listened to excuses and. And, and, and listening to justifications for a player who's playing not nearly as well as he is, play game after game, and he's not got a single opportunity. And by the time the next one rolls around, who knows where the cricket wheel would have taken him. That's the sort of bitterness and resentment that aloof politicians create when you, when you make decisions like this. There's a domino effect that they, that they refuse to face because it affects others who've done nothing wrong but do their job. Reza Hendricks will never play a T20 World Cup in Australia again. But when it came around, he was in the form of his life and he never got one crack at it. One crack at it. That, that, that's a travesty. And, and you know, we, a lot of focus has been on Temba, but there, there are other casualties on this road. And, and, and that's, that's what sets South African cricket back because the, the strategies that are adopted by people who generate the same quotes that you've just read out that are apparently attributed to Enoch and Poletsi, they just don't see the bigger picture. It doesn't matter how many flipping pitches that you put up in different townships. If you don't actually get to the heart of the game and give opportunities to people when they're at their best, this is what it does. It doesn't build a nation. It breaks it apart because there's going to be articles coming out for weeks and weeks and weeks talking about the fact that Riza should have played. This is wrong. Transformation is not just about black players. It's about all players. It divides a team more than it unites it. And they're supposed to sit in the same changing for the Lions sit in the next training camp for South Africa together. And there's this resentment. And you can understand it completely. If you take away everything else about Temba and you look at it from Reza Hendricks' perspective, I'm in the form of my life. And I've not got a single opportunity to play in a World Cup match. And every single column inch has been devoted to the fact that this captain shouldn't be playing or he's struggling. Maybe he deserves a break. Not one person has said, forget every single argument. The best performing batsman in South African cricket right now this year is Reza Hendricks. You find a slot for him. 
You've played Markram ahead of him. You've played everyone else ahead of him. He's in the form of his life. I would be furious. Furious. But that doesn't matter because transformation in the eyes of those who run the game can only happen when it's purely black African. That's the problem. It, it is. A, it's, it's, a, it's a nonsense. And, a, and part of the problem or maybe the greatest part of the problem is that um, is is honesty. As I as I said, I mentioned uh, in the last pod about New Zealand cricket, um, and you know they said uh, we're only going to play two test series where uh, we we can. Only, uh, Kane Williamson said um, I disagree with that, so they invited them in and to the into the boardroom and and said Kane, this is why. We can only play two test series. You want to play in the IPL and you should play in the IPL. And we agree that you should play in the IPL. You want to play in the, in the CPL. You want to play. We can't match those fees. You have a right to earn a living. Come in and tell us how we can fit three test series in, because we'd all like three test series as well. And, and when New Zealand cricketers want, uh, or when a decision is made in New Zealand cricket, the players are consulted immediately what do you think what do you think what do you think so those those quotes written by somebody i hope is not being paid very much to to write corporate jargonese you know we're, we're both quite angry and understandably and i think justifiably and rightly and because we're representing the majority view of south african cricket lovers but you know when when the it'll take a while for the dust to settle but what is lacking is the team is a tribe within a tribe. The team, the actual proteas, they're not consulted. What, sh- what, should, what should be happening is Enoch and Poletzi should be bringing the team in to their space or going into their space, actually, and saying, what do you need? Gerald Majola, as chief executive back in 2008, was the very, very best at this. Do you know? And, um, oh, so so he dished out the IPL bonuses, and I was one who said at the time um, that he, what he did was wrong. But my goodness gracious me, he looked after the players. He f- made them feel cherished and nur- nurtured and appreciated, and You've got these quotes being attributed to Enoch and Poletzi, which it just exacerbates the distance between the players and 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 their employers, and that's the problem. That's that. But we'll talk about the World Cup semi-finals in a moment after you've addressed that issue. Well, yeah, man, is, we're talking about the same bunch of people who last year when South Africa had that massive race storm with Quinny de Kock. The truth of it is that the players were not consulted until after, the night after that the West Indies game had happened and everything that, the fallout after that, where Temba actually did probably play one of his best innings in, in, in South African green after, before, before the match started and even after, where he tried to protect Quinton. Uh, sorry, and, and, and they made sure that unequivocally the world understood that Quinny stood alone, literally. Um, even though they, they forgot to admit that for a year, they had consulted the players and they had told the players that actually you can do whatever you want. But then when it came to it, because there was a picture that was published and 
several members of the board felt disgruntled at the headlines and the radio stations talking about how disjointed it looked. They made a unilateral decision. The players' consultation happened after that game. And what they won't say is that when they did consult the players and the players were honest enough to tell them exactly what they felt about being told what to do after being told for a year that you can do whatever you want. So there is this, you talk about honesty in New Zealand cricket or whoever else. You can't talk about honesty in South African cricket when the people in charge will blatantly lie to your face in public, in public statements, even in just getting into office. You, you can't hope to remedy the situation when it comes to actual cricket matters, when off the field, everything is a lie. I mean, there, there was a game that we suggested some of them play, some of the more honorable members play, where they actually just start making things up and, and, and putting them in board meetings to see where the leak came from because you can trace it to certain publications and certain journalists and you could trace it back to people that were in that room or if you told it to just one person, something so outlandishly stupid. But because they thrive on the publicity that's generated from an unnamed source close to the board or an unknown executive close to the matter, which is absolute <laughs> bullshit if we're honest. But if those are the people that run your game, you cannot possibly hope to look a player square in the eye and say, how the hell did you lose to the Netherlands? How the hell did you get into your position? How do you run cricket? How are you on this board? You know, if we're going to call spades, spades. So you can't actually have that integrity and that honesty because unfortunately so many are still in the game for the wrong reasons. And so they don't care what team walks out onto the field as long as they've got their cronies in the long room and they can sit there and say, look at the power that I exert. If you're in it for the wrong reasons, it shows and it, it, it trapes down to every single part of the game. So when it comes to actual cricket matters, the thing that actually is supposed to have got you there in the first place, you actually can't hold a candle up and say, let us be honest about this team. You deserve to be dropped. You deserve to be dropped. You deserve to be dropped. You remember when Australia had their cheating scandal in South Africa. Before they left South Africa, three of them were already off the team. There was a national embarrassment. The prime minister made a statement about how much shame had been brought on. If Australia had lost to the Netherlands like the South Africa had, it the country would have stopped. Yes, it is their national sport, but the country would have stopped. There would have been full-on heads rolling and not a single player would have said, oh, no, but I was picked out of... No, you're an embarrassment. Damien Martin was dropped for 10 years, but that's what happens in systems where the game is taken seriously from top to bottom. You can actually be accountable because everyone in their position is accountable. But you can't have that in South Africa. You're in cuckoo land. You can't. You can't be judged by people who've got five fingers pointing back at them for various reasons. So it's a futile conversation to talk about honesty and accountability in the same sentence as so many of the people in power in South African cricket. We should really move on to the semifinals. We are going to do exactly that um, after this break. If you love the language of cricket and want more, then head over to the 99.94 app and you can hear all of our podcasts and cricket commentary. We're adding new shows all the time and covering cricket series from all over the world. Be the first to hear all of our announcements by following us on social media at 9994DM. Welcome to Cricket's Conversation. Uh, Sam, we're almost out of time. Uh, my timekeeping is hopeless. Um, I'm sorry. Um, uh, I'm supposed to. We're supposed to have even sections, but this is going to be a very short one, and it's going to be fun. And we're going to um, wash off the Netherlands and, and South Africa, uh, uh, although it is a subject, unfortunately, that we will have to 
uh, keep talking about unless we go into brain surgery and um, and no longer become cricket journalists. But so let's have a bit of fun. Um, you know, uh, our colleagues on uh, all our other. 99.94 stations will be going in far greater depth about uh, about the semi-finals than, than we are required to do. So we, we can just have some fun. Pakistan against New Zealand. I will have to say Pakistan because <laughs> given, <laughs> Fake. given the, the, the fairy tale Cinderella story, that's, that's it. It's, I mean... Somewhere, somewhere out there, cricket gods are, are saying uh, Pakistan's in the butt, clearly, because by any <laughs> right, they should be on their way home to face public shaming. <laughs> and now they're talking about the fact that the last time South Africa stumbled and they benefited, they went on to win. And it was in Australia as well in the 92 World Cup. So, you know, they're clutching at miracles now. And rightly so. <laughs> New Zealand have been a shadow of themselves. If Pakistan play anywhere near as well as they can... You know, Baba Azam is still waiting for that definitive knock in this tournament. And I, honestly, I, I, it, it, it easily can be an India-Pakistan final, which, if you're not going to have South Africa, is, is going to be the most watched game in, in, in cricket. So it might as well be. And might as well make it at the MCG with 90,000 crazy people. So good luck to both of them. All right. I'd love to um, just just for the hell of it, play devil's advocate and go for the opposite. Uh, I can see lots of ways that New Zealand can win the game. Um, I, I mean, you know, if Bolt, if it swings, Bolton Southie can have them 30 for four in no time. Um, but but all of my emotional energy is behind Pakistan as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I concur. Uh, England, India. Yeah, I... Th- it's interesting the role that they've, England have cast Ben Stokes in, this responsible statesman who sees them home in a crisis. <laughs> because you you know that he's got several other gears that he can go to, but the fact that they've got so much firepower up front that they can lean on him just in case of a crisis is, is a great luxury to have. Um, but I, I, I still think that the, the superstar quality of that Indian attack, of that Indian batting lineup, sorry, um, should hold sway. Um, I, I think they not just want it more, they need it more. Um, and they'll be desperate to get to that final because, the, you know, that this is their format. You know, the, the entire game is built around everyone besides England will be hoping India gets to the final for commercial reasons, for romantic reasons, and India-Pakistan <laughs> final. England don't need it. They're still hung over from the 2019 World Cup that they should never have won. But they won. So... <laughs> India, India, Pakistan final is the only logic in a tournament that's just defied logic, almost from ball one. <laughs> okay, right. So we're both going for the um, romantic, financial, ideologically um, perfect Pakistan India final. Okay, I think England will win. Actually, uh, I think they'll get to the final. But um, uh, and by the way, England, New Zealand. In the final, uh, and I concur absolutely with what you said about the 2019 World Cup final. Um, England, New Zealand, what a you know a chance of redemption that would be for New Zealand. They would never ever 
recreate the drama of that day at Lords. <laughs> Ian Smith could never could never conjure up the commentary energy again. Uh, it, it's done. It's 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 dead. It's one of those things that don't make sense. And because there is no South African heart to go with, uh, you know, you, the most entertaining game either way will definitely be India against Pakistan. Yes, England, no, New Zealand yeah, sounds, right. sounds like a test match in comparison. <laughs> Um, so I would far rather see Virat Kohli at loggerheads with Baba Azam in the middle of the pitch and the same happening in the stands. That I, I, I'd, I'd pay to watch that. Quite right. I would too. Thanks for listening to South Africa on 99.94, where we we speak cricket, as you know. Please rate, review and subscribe. Uh, wherever you enjoy your podcast, you can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter at Neil Manthorpe and at Whamzam17. Been fun, Zams. We'll get over this just like we have all the other previous World Cup disasters. Cheers for now. One step at a time. Cheers, manners. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Colby Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo jo, Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network. <laughs>